everyone, and surprise, uh, for the 25th anniversary of its release, we are doing a special on Disney's 1998 animated film Mulan. As always, you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode, but we always recommend it as we will never stray away from spoilers. Although, if you haven't seen Mulan yet, I think that's kind of on you. For real, Today we're gonna <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about how this movie aged and how it was kind of ahead of its time as a kid's film. So, let's get rolling. I'm your host, Audrey. And I'm your co-host, Sheree. So sit back, relax, and please don't silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse. first time i saw this film to be honest i gotta think about that i don't here's the thing i don't remember because not this movie came out in 98 and no actually i do remember i remember exactly and i wrote it down um so first of all before we jump into first impressions i did just want to like say real fast just for our listeners like remember this is a kid's film it was a kid's film this is a kid's film it was made in 1998 so you just have to think about that as your critical lens when viewing this movie um and and just remembering that this movie was geared towards children not adults so that being said uh as far as first impressions go i do distinctly remember um my dad went on a tdy my dad was active duty army when i was growing up and a tdy is like a short-term duty assignment um, and he went on a TDY to Italy and as like a souvenir brought me back a VHS of this movie. I don't was know why it, I didn't was get it something in Italian. Italian. No, it was in English. That's boring. <laughs> I don't. Here's the thing. I was five. So I really didn't mind. I was just excited that my dad came back and had a present for me. The VHS. Man, how ancient. I know. I'm really dating myself here. Um, so I don't think I even saw this in theaters at all. I, I really just think I saw it on tape when, when my dad brought it back. So technically I would have been six because the VHS released in like November of 99, I believe. Um, wow. Is that, did it really take that long? This it came did. out in June I, now of 98. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That really was how long movies used to take to come out on DVD and video. Now they're turning around like on three DVD months. And video. Right? Like, really, though? Like, if you don't see it in three months, big deal. It's going to be on a streaming service in, like, three, four months. That's it. Right. Weird. Right? Like, I'm just waiting for the email when Across the Spider-Verse is going to be available on Amazon because I'm buying I'm it. I'm buying it immediately on Apple TV. Like, I did. The- I will have it in my pocket at all times. <laughs> all times. So that I can answer my questions when I go, was that in that movie? And then I can whip it out and just every do it time. Real fast. I literally the only platform I have it on is Apple because I can just watch it on my phone at any point. I'm like, I'm so sad that it's not out yet. We're talking about Mulan. <laughs> Let's go back to Mulan. <laughs> We're still talking about across the Spider Verse. Any, any given time, I'm thinking about across the Spider Verse. It was that good. Uh, Lila, underrated character. I'm appreciating her more and more now. Um. <laughs> Okay. My first impression? So anyway, uh, I, I had one other thing I wanted to say about okay. my first impression, because I just remember distinctly as a kid loving this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because as the daughter of a soldier, 
I mean, you know, when I was, you know, five, six years old, I could still understand like, like what my dad was. Like my dad was like real life G.I. Joe. Okay. Like I under, I understood what he was. The G.I. Joe theme just ran through my head for a second. G.I. Joe. Yeah. Um, so it was awesome for me to see a female so well depicted as a brave warrior so like as like a six-year-old for the longest time this movie totally gave me somebody to look up to like like regardless of of like race or anything I'm just like yeah I'm Mulan I had like a Mulan haircut like my hair like chopped off at the shoulders for the longest time so loved this movie as a kid that's a great film um I think the first time I saw this movie Let's see, how old was I? 98? Six? Uh, five, six-ish? If you were five, I'd had to be six. Yeah, you would have been six. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it was a year or two later when I was staying the night with my bestie. And I remember it raining outside for some reason. And the, the one line from this film I remember back then was the part where he talks about bringing his antenna across, bringing his antenna and throwing it across the how yard. How about I pop your antennas off, throw it across the yard? <laughs> Then who's a loser? Me or you? I loved that line. And Mushu, obviously. I knew who Eddie Murphy was as a kid. I don't know why, but I just knew who Eddie Murphy was. So I like I remember being excited for Eddie Murphy in this film because I knew nobody else. Um, this was his like voice acting debut. I believe so, yes. This was like the first thing that he ever did as a voice actor, which is bananas to me because like Eddie Murphy's voice is like synonymous with donkey. Right. For me. He, well, I think he's just like, he's just very iconic in general. And I think he made a good move going sure. into uh, voice acting. Um, right. Just he's I just mean, so expressive. Expanded his ability. Yeah. Right, he's so expressive with his voice. And that's why he did so well on SNL as well. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, obviously, him as Mishu. It's it's iconic. And I understand why people were, like, a little disappointed that he wasn't going to be, like, voicing a dragon in the rebooted one. But Ugh, it, I'm offended. I'm not because they try to follow have, it. Here's, like, even having some sort of, like, spirit guide. With, I can say, okay, I'm going to say this. I have not seen the remake. I Me don't either. plan on seeing it. Um, but I do know that there was no spirit guide character at all. Like it was yes, just was. a straightforward. There, well, there wasn't. Or, I'm pretty sure okay, there was. There w- I thought there was. Okay, hold on. Let's do some quick googling because I thought that there was like no. They actually. I'm pretty thought- sure they changed it from being the dragon to whatever initially was in the story. Some viewers may have missed the fact that despite the lack of talking dragons, Mulan is still guided on her journey by a mythical animal, the Red Phoenix. Yeah, Which Carl told the Digital Spy was meant to honor the original character of Mushu while adding to the new, more realistic narrative. Okay, so I don't, I don't know that it was supposed to be something that honored the original story, but according to this article in Digital Spy... They just wanted something a little bit more realistic realistic that would add to the story, but without adding, like, comedic relief or anything. And I guess it's also supposed to symbolize her father in some way or her relationship with her father. Um, so, yeah. Spirit guide. Spirit guide. Yeah, so, but I, I did know that there was no, like comedic relief like there was there was no mushu character was supposed to which be more like makes ethereal. sense it is a war i film. mean sure it was a serious like retelling <laughs> i need to watch it i actually do plan on watching it i i just i don't i don't know how i feel about it and like i don't want to get overly political or anything but considering where they filmed um in china i just i understand you I on that front I won't ever be able to get behind it i understand um, you on that front 
Yeah. We'll should see. I say something I haven't about watched it yet. I should say something about that. I haven't watched it yet. Maybe eventually when I know that my money is not actually going towards anything. Fair enough. Anyhow, I, I guess don't really remember about... my first impression because it was so long ago. Because we were children, yeah. Um, as if we're talking about Eddie Murphy, though, like, let's definitely talk about casting. Um, and when I looked up the casting, um, first of all, I just gotta say, like, Disney gets credit for, even back in 98, trying to cast, like, ethnically relevant voice actors. Because nobody else um, was. Because nobody else was. Disney but has ninety eight though. Disney like, they has were, like always been able to afford to do that. Sure. Yeah. I can. I guess it can be a question of finances, but also like when you when you think about movies in the nineties and just just early stuff like this in general, like we had a tendency. Well, okay. I'm not gonna say that. When you think about this, we wouldn't really give um, like ethnic casting much thought. No. We just kind of went for whoever's voice sounded the best, mm-hmm. which I mean, like that's that's understandable because obviously you want to cast based on talent for sure. Like casting Scarlett um, Johansson in Ghost in the Shell, um, but <laughs> not a good. I look. haven't actually seen. I actually haven't seen that movie. But like, if you if you talked to, um, I can't remember if that movie is actually like Chinese or Japanese. It's Japanese, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. When they interviewed the Japanese populace, they asked them, like, what do you think about ScarJo in that movie? And they're like, she's great. Like, I don't, like, is there a question there? And they're like, so I guess some American audiences were upset about it because she's not Asian. And literally the Japanese audiences were like, so? Like, we don't, so? (laughs) Like, here's the thing, though. You got to be careful with who you poll because we've discovered this online before. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I just mean, like, in general, I No one's going to take away from Scarlett just, Johansson being a great actress. No one could ever say that. That's what I'm that. saying. Like, I just, like, based on talent, I can understand. But even back in back in the 90s, that's, like, that's what they were going for. They just went based on talent alone. Didn't really give, like, he was bringing ethnic in the money. awareness to casting. Right. So, like, you think about, um, which we'll talk about this movie eventually because I absolutely love it. But, like, um, DreamWorks Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um you look at that casting that casting is all over the place that mm-hmm. it, it, they purely just went for like big name actors i mean you've got sandra bullock jeff goldblum like that movie has so many big name people voicing characters in it um but for mulan like you have first of all ming na wen playing the voice of mulan uh which for anybody who hasn't seen her anything recently, first of all, she's awesome, but she also plays the assassin Fennec Shand in The Mandalorian. Um, B.D. Wong, who we all know from Jurassic Park, he's like that that one scientist also, that came back I'm for all the sure. other movies. Law and Order SVU. I never, I've never watched like Law and Order. <sighs> Are you not not really like a not human? like religiously? Here's the thing: no, like, I I've haven't watched it. that show Here's- since high school. But even still, everyone knows BD Wong like- is part of the Law and Order universe. Nah, I'm sorry. Like, I, like, watched if it was on in the doctor's office, but, like, I didn't sit down what? and watch SVU. <laughs> like, like, daytime TV. I'm talking about, like, daytime TV, you know? In the doctor's <laughs> office. Yeah, it's daytime TV. You're right. Oh, all those repeats oh. on TNT and FX. Exactly. Um, so, anyway, talking about... Awesome casting. Um, Freda Fo Shen as Mulan's mother. James Hong, who's in everything. Um, the, that guy who voices Chifu. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Pat, I'm going to say his name wrong, but Morita. Um, Pat Morita? Mr. Miyagi. Morita, yeah. Freaking Mr. Miyagi mm-hmm. is in this movie. Um, I didn't know that until I watched it this time. Yes. Gede Watanabe. And then, of course, freaking George. I'm going to say his last name wrong. Takei. Um, Takei. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, there's a whole bit in an episode of Psych about his last name, and James Roday's character says George Takai, and somebody goes, um, I think you mean Takai, and his character says, uh, yeah, those closest to him know how he likes it to be pronounced. <laughs> and then they never correct him the rest of the episode, and then they actually have George Takai on the episode. That's funny. So, and my brain always says it wrong. Even though I know it's Takei, I just hear James Roday saying that in Psych. So, if you ever listen to this, James Roday, this is all your fault. Um, so, anyway, that's like, uh, that's o- over one hand's worth of ethnically correct actors. And, like, just honestly, like, cultural home run mm-hmm. for 1998. Like, I'm impressed. Um, there's actually one main guy, the guy who voices, I think, Yao, Harvey Firestein. Um, was, I guess he said he was reluctant to voice a Chinese character, um, due to strong feelings about giving more opportunities to Asian actors. And I'm like, dude, good for you. And, but then obviously the studio assured him like, no, 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 we have plenty of people cast in this I movie. We just really love your voice. Also and he think agreed after that. the voice actor for Sean Yu is also not, um, Chinese. Um, no, B.D. Wong voices Sean, or no, I'm not Sean Yu. I'm sorry. He voices Shang. Mm-hmm. Uh, who voices Sean Yu? Hold on. I have it pulled up here. Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. I'll give that one a pass because Sean Yu's got a dope voice. I, and I was Miguel also going to say great. every single one of my favorite lines in this film comes from him. Every line is menacing. Every my every line oh, hits. Oh, it's so good. It, it like just really I did not realize until like rewatching this movie just how many sound bites existed in my head from my childhood. This movie is like audio gold. They nailed it on the voice acting and I, I did not, like, I, I caught myself literally just quoting with perfect intonation this, in, like, this entire movie because the sound bites just live in my head because they did such a good job with the voice casting. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. It's so good. Um, so, obviously, Eddie Murphy, we talked about, who's amazing. Um, but then my one of my favorite things is that Donny Osmond Ugh. is the, the singing voice of, of Shang. <laughs> I remember when I told you I that, and you were like, no way. I was like, mm, it's unfortunate. I to me, it's unfortunate. I love it so much. I love it so much because I love Donny Osmond as a singer uh, because he's in um, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which is like one of my favorite. Yeah, it takes a long time to. It's like Shield. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just watched Iron Man, so it's like fresh. Um,. So, no, he, because he's in that, and I absolutely love that. I, I grew up watching, again, the VHS of of that Broadway musical production, and I love it, and Donny Osmond does an amazing job. And he's in some other stuff, too, as the the voice, of, or the singing voice of the main character. Um, he's got some pretty awesome film credits, so Don't I would get really me wrong that because I love his voice. <laughs> Nothing against the man and his singing. I just hate that song. What song? I'll make a man out of you. I hate it. Oh, 
<gasps> oh, we have to get to this. Okay, because I have I have notes about this. Hold 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 your thoughts. I'm really interested. But okay. let's save it for music. Uh, or I guess we could go to straight to music now. Let's go straight to music now. <laughs> you're so excited. <laughs> I'm too. I'm you're too excitable. Um. Okay. So please tell me. Did you just get that reference? Hold on. Where is this in my brain? I'm just so excitable. Where is that from? Drank. No, it's you're too excitable. Drank. That's what I okay. I hold really on. No, 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 really no, 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 no. Where is that from? Is it from what the I just internet? quoted? Is it from the internet? It is from the internet. It does exist on the internet. Yes. Is it from a bad lip reading? Yes, it is. Which yes, one? Is. Hold oh on. Oh my gosh. Yes, it is. Hold on. I'm so close. Oh my close. gosh. You're no. You're right there. You I'm have so it. Close. What is it? You want me to quote other ones from that bad yes. lip reading and see yes. if you can get it? Okay. Hey, a goat. No. Um, let's see. Do something fruity. Gross, you're drunk. Um, is that, oh my God, is that the Avengers bad lip reading? No, it's not. No, but it is bad lip reading. Do I tell you? I'm so mad. Yeah, tell me. It's the Hunger Games. I love that one. Okay. (laughs) Yep. You're so excitable. (laughs) Is that when you're on the train? Woody Harrelson going... No, it's in it's in like the the penthouse suite for District Twelve after like the. I like, have the to promos. go watch these. I have to go watch these. <laughs> and Woody Harrelson goes drank. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's my favorite one from that one. That one and the the girl like Clove or whatever going uh, hey, a goat. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch that one after this. I'm so happy that you like I'm glad that you heard the sound bite and we're just like why do I know it's that? in my universe of knowledge somewhere <laughs> right like I unlocked something inside your mind palace something I, the, the YouTube mind palace that you possess the, I, the, I used to quote one oh man I can't even remember which one it was it was one of the like um presidential debate ones I used to quote all the time can't remember which one it was though oh no, I know Mitt Romney was in it though <laughs> No. <laughs> it's something that hey, Romney I live in would Utah. Say. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So Anyway, derailment one. Derailment number one. That was like great derailment. Well done. Um back on do another music. Um back on back on music. Uh please tell me why you hate I'll make a man out of you. I didn't hate it until probably 10 years ago and wow okay so oddly specific explain i'm name dropping my bestie stephanie she used to work in a daycare setting and i used to like rip cds for her that her kids would sing along to so a lot of them were disney wow what a throwback ripping Ripping CDs. cds yeah i would rip cds for her to play for her students during like engagement time and stuff and um, one of them was, I'll make a man out of you. I remember, I don't know why, when I used to have iTunes like downloaded on my computer, I, for some reason, at one point I was listening to that song and all I could hear was the overpronunciation of all the words in that song. And yes, now because I can't... Donny Osmond is a Broadway singer. <laughs> I know. And that's why I don't like Broadway as much as other people do. Like, I don't hate Broadway, but I don't love... Oh. Like, some some Broadway I can get into. Some, most, I cannot. 
And yeah, so to explain for our listeners real fast, so Broadway singing has a specific type of technique behind it because you have to project so much. You're basically doing like shout singing. Um, and because of that, a lot of your consonants and vowels can get lost. So Broadway singers will really over enunciate their consonants to make sure that all of their words carry because they're carrying so much information in their musical numbers and there's no subtitles. So, well, there are now, but there weren't initially. So, so that's why Broadway music sounds a little bit funny. That's why I don't hate Donny Osmond. I just hate the song because I can't unhear it. You just don't like Broadway. I don't hate, like, I love Chicago. That's my favorite musical of all time. I, I don't hate all Broadway musicals. I really don't. I just don't like most of them because it's just not my, it's not my form of entertainment usually. Now, every once in a while, there's one that comes along where I'm like, man, that is fantastic. That is great. That is lovely. It's wonderful. But it's just not like if someone's like, hey, let's go. Like the Green Day musical? Great. Actually, recently I saw, oh, what is it? Six, the musical about um, King Henry the Ace Wives. That one was freaking awesome. Loved it. Interesting. You would love it, I think. I think all history (gasps) lovers would also love that musical. And it was wonderful. And it was a, I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't even know what it was about. My friends were like, we're going. I was like, okay. I'm never going to say no to going to a musical. I may not enjoy it, but that one was very enjoyable and very fun. And I still sing some of the songs from it. Oh, I want to go. Oh, that sounds great. So it very much is dependent on the story. And if I can get behind the story of a musical, then the songs won't bother me that much. But for me, it's like when it's too much singing, I get lost. I just get lost. I want to I want to enjoy the story. I want there to be a good balance of music mm-hmm. and story. Sometimes it's too much mm-hmm. music and I'm just like, I'm done. I can't. No, you- I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, if you remember the Cheetah Girls movies. Loved those. Uh, what did you say? <laughs> I loved them. Oh, okay. I thought you said something else that we were going to have to bleep out. <laughs> no, no, no. I said loved them. Okay. Okay, good. So I love the first two, and then I tried to watch the third Mm-mm. one. It's like, and, and it's a musical number every two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. There's no story. I just, and I, and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it for the first time, and I don't think I got all the way through the movie. I and also it was like think when I the got, hype was big. Right. I think I, I got I couldn't through do it. Five, five, 15, 20 minutes of it, but I was also like, yeah. it's just not the same without all four of them. I know, because that was the first one without, like, what, Raven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't the same. Derailment 2. It wasn't the same. Huh? Derailment number 2. Derailment 2, Cheetah Girls. Cheetah Girls. That's an excellent derailment to have. Um, So, that being said, I don't think this one had too many musical numbers. I think this one really nailed it. I feel mm-hmm. like the musical numbers added to the storyline. Um not didn't detract from it and were catchy i think all of them i really enjoyed there's not a single song from this movie that i don't like i will say the wait no that's not it that's not the song continue never mind i will say actually you know what no 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 i lied at the end of this song i do like a lot of the red they throw into the end of this song obviously because the color red is so important to chinese culture it's it means so much Mm -hmm. a lot of like prosperity like i should have wrote it down but, but, you know, even, like, 
brides wear red when they get married for, you know, to ward off evil and stuff like that. So the fact that mm-hmm. at the end of this montage of I'll make a man out of you, you see the color red everywhere. It's beautiful. And it, it, everywhere. It's great. I like that part of that song. It's visually all the red they use. Yeah, the end of the song is very visually beautiful. Mm-hmm. And also, you have to think, too, because this movie was geared towards an American audience, especially in the 90s, that, like, we think of red, definitely, especially in considering the context, red would be a color associated with war. Mm-hmm. So the movie starts out in, like, full color with them just doing their stuff and then gradually moves to these drastic, dramatic colors with all of this red. And just as a symbolic... I, it is a symbolic icon that really shows that, like, okay, by the end of this, like, they're ready for war. Mm-hmm. They've been fully trained. Um, so watching, for me, especially the song I'll Make a Man Out of You, because I love this song. Um, I love especially covers of it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop because it's fantastic and I want all of you to listen to it. There's a cover, like a metal cover of this song by the band Peyton Parrish and it is on my workout playlist like that's the only way I will listen to Disney music while working out as if it's like a metal cover <laughs> and there's a great one of this one uh which will make you lift even harder like let me tell you um but watching this song watching this song specifically not just listening to it um I really noticed some interesting elements that I like what went completely over my head as a kid um, because this song is technically tongue in cheek mm-hmm. and that whole concept like went over my head as a kid but it, the song is technically tongue in cheek because she is a girl and he can't actually make a man out of her because she's a girl right and so if you notice all of the activities and like physical challenges they're doing especially at the beginning are like completely unrealistic like, like trying to like launch a bunch of pomegranates and like and spear all of them with arrows at the same time and hit a bullseye and and chopping cinder blocks in half with your face. <laughs> and like, there are some ridiculous challenges. Like if I, if I could compare it, like it, the song is like tongue in cheek about hyper masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um if the song were American, like, you would, you would have to think of, like, dudes, like, it'd be a song about dudes getting, like, comically jacked, growing beards, and eating nothing but steak and beer all the time. Like, that's what the song Don't would be potatoes. about. Don't forget potatoes. Get them, get them meat and potatoes. Um, so, I, I just, I found the situational irony of it absolutely hilarious, and I really appreciated it too because then obviously it's it's Mulan who finally beats the initial challenge, which just climbing things after doing aerial arts, I appreciate climbing things so much more just in general, um, just how much strength that takes. It's but interesting it's- that you say all of this because not only this song does it have like really interesting things to go along with the words itself, but the first song um, when she's, you know, praying to her ancestors... Um, bring honor to us all yes that mm-hmm. song is obviously about her wanting to be the perfect you know bride you know for the matchmaker yes but the uh-huh. thing is throughout that song you watch her in the background do all these things like to show her individuality like i took notes during this part because i was like mm-hmm. wow this is great so like once she's had her hair pulled up and pulled back and all perfectly quaffed if you will she takes a little mm-hmm. strand out twirls around her fingers and let it curl 
just one little strand, yes. you know, to show her individuality. You know, that separates strand her. is also visible like the rest of the time. Whenever right. she has her hair down, she always has one little strand that's I'm out of so place. glad you noticed that too. Like it gave me like again, watching this as an adult with the the view lens of a movie maker, it's so different to watch it because you see, you know, there's that individ- individuality. But also you sh- she shows off her her smarts, right? She helps that guy win the board game. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that game is. Sorry for not knowing. And oh, then was it Chinese, was it just Chinese checkers? Perhaps. I don't know, but that probably um, might have been Pie Show. And then, Continue. you know, one other thing I really enjoyed is at the very end, she's all put together. She has her umbrella and she puts it over her shoulder. <laughs> like she's about, she, like she's ready to fight, like with a sword. But instead, yes, she checks uh-huh. the girl she, in front of her. That's her weapon going into battle. <laughs> she checks the, you know, the girls in front of her with her parasol and she, she fixes it. And, you know, it, she mm-hmm. butchers her bridal interview, if you will. And Being it, the perfect porcelain doll. Because she, she's not. She's a warrior. She was never meant to be this perfect, you know, bride, this, this porcelain mm-hmm. doll, as you said. It shows from the beginning what her ending is going to be. And I loved that. And even... It's um, so good. What's the, thir- what's the third song in this movie? It's, um... Oh, it's not Reflection, is it? Not Reflection. Oh, wait, that's the other song. Um, Girl Worth Fighting For. You have such an interesting oh, song. song. And, like... <laughs> They all talk about the girl they'd fight for, the girl they really want. And Mulan mm-hmm. talks about and how... And then you get Mulan's versions. Uh-huh. How about a girl who's got a brain? <laughs> right. And, you know, that's that's her. That's her. She is brain, not necessarily brawn. And that's what mm-hmm. saves all of them. And China, right. for the most part, from this giant hun attack. But what mm-hmm. I really liked about... Like, that's another song where I'm like, it's fine. It's whatever. But what I love is you get this rousing chorus from this song. It's beautiful. It ends on a beautiful note. And then, bam, it hits you with, like, the tune automatically changes to the song. The tonal shift, because you have them singing, and then they notice this fiery, you know, field they're looking upon. All these houses. Red again. Red again. Ugh. It's so good. Again. This film... It gives me chills. That that song stopping and then looking over the battlefield as, gives me chills. As a kid, even I felt that tonal shift and it made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, this is the first Disney movie that ever openly dealt with warfare. Yes. But what I love, yeah. though, is you have that song. You see this tragedy before you, this... You know, every it's, this whole thing is desolate and decimated, and you see Mulan pick up this doll that we knew that Shan Yu had earlier, mm-hmm. and my brain thinks this whole time as she lays that doll on the sword and the helmet of um, Shang's dad, she lays that doll in the in the snow, and I think that was the girl she was fighting for. Oh. It gives me goosebumps. I took that moment, like, thinking about it, like, that was a really great symbolic moment of, like, Mulan putting her childhood and her past life behind. That maybe it was just something that she did to, you know, to save her father, to get out of the traditional life that was planned for her, whatever her initial motivations were, seeing that and laying that doll down was, like, the laying down of her innocence. Right. That was... 
this is not a game anymore. War is right. real and right. you have real challenges. And the ahead only of you. other and moments I love it. The only other moments in that film, like you have the moment where they come into town and they pass off these scrolls to be like, You're going to the army, you're going to the army. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to the army. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the Oprah of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> and then um all the all your other dark tonal points in this film happen with Sean Yu. And then finally, they have that moment where they are finally faced with the atrocities of war, the truth of war that they have mm-hmm. not seen yet. And it's just gorgeous the way Disney did it. I it love is it. so good. I'm going to have to remember that tonal shift because it's perfect. I feel like a lot of movies like take too much time to try to find their tonal shift. And Mulan just did, nope, we're just going to do it at the end it, of the song. Uh, and it gives you goosebumps. Hard, be- fast cut. It, it, it gave me goosebumps again so thinking about good. it because so many films built up to that moment and then it, nothing hits harder than going from like this perfect moment to just everything's like when everything turns on its head immediately. I love, I mm-hmm. actually love when films do that. I know a lot of people don't. Me too. But I no, love when I do you, because like it's what happens in real life. Time. Yes. Yes. And you have a limited amount of time to get your point across. And like people are more capable of processing tonal shifts than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And if you just slap them with one, like we will process it. And sometimes it will be that much more affecting because we also experience tonal shifts like that in real life. Right. You're having a great day and then... You know, fender bender. You're right. like, and then Son a car of a accident gun. happens in front of you. I love that our brains both went to car accident because <laughs> it, it's it's a real life thing, or mm-hmm. it's just, or you know, you're having a bad day, and it could be the opposite too. Something good could happen. You know, tonal. Mm-hmm. It, 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 more often than not, things are just you know they don't really build up; they just happen immediately. Exactly, and that's what I really you have to remember really this for my own writing about. <laughs> that's what I really loved about that's something I again I remembered as a kid from Mulan it's something as an adult I still appreciate in this film is that tonal shift the immediate tonal shift mm-hmm. it is so good and I love that too because it immediately, it also immediately puts you in the next arc of the story there's no building up yes. to it there's no like dialogue you need there's very little dialogue right. actually once that happens and it's just so good it's mm-hmm. just so good it's all done with music which I gotta I gotta say like kudos to jerry goldsmith for his film score on this which let me talk about jerry goldsmith for a second because i went to look at this score like hmm who did this movie and then i went who the heck is jerry goldsmith Mm -hmm. i have no idea who this is and for all of you who are on the same page as me and don't know who jerry goldsmith is let me give you a brief brief speed synopsis of Uh-oh. all the movies that he's done and i'm gonna try to get all of these out without stumbling over them but jerry goldsmith has scored movies like <gasps> aliens la confidential poltergeist gremlin star trek the motion picture rambo first blood hoosiers Patton, logan's run the omen total recall broody a streetcar named desire first night air force one the haunting and the mummy and also looney tunes back in action <laughs> that's a that's so, quite a resume like quite a resume like in case you didn't weren't listening at the speed of the drug warnings at the end of the commercial uh he did movies like hoosiers Patton, total recall uh first night air force one that's this guy's film score resume not disney animated classics like mulan and he hit it out of the park has he and that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like his It's like his resume like prepared him to do hard hitting emotional action movie soundtracks. The dude scored The Mummy, okay? 
and just did an absolutely phenomenal job, especially pulling in cultural intonation into the music um, and really pulling in some really elegant, like, Chinese oriental tones mm-hmm. to the music. Just... I, did an amazing job and so I'm like wow how have I been sleeping on Jerry Goldsmith my entire life <laughs> the, this guy's a, a phenomenal composer mm-hmm. um so that being said the he did the score for this the um the the other music and lyrics um like of the not Broadway numbers, but of like the musical numbers, mm-hmm. those were done by Matthew Wilder and David Zippel, who I'm not That's as cool well name. versed on because I went down the rabbit hole of Jerry Goldsmith. Um, but all of the the vocal numbers did did really good too. They all also stayed true to the Oriental sound. Um, and also my my favorite one though is if you listen, um, Mushu's like introduction you know when he's doing like did I hear someone ask for a miracle that (laughs) if you listen to the music in the background you have like southern baptist church pipe organ in the background (laughs) everybody say ah and I died I'm listening to the music and I'm like why did this just turn into a gospel church service (laughs) it's Eddie Murphy because it's Eddie Murphy I was wheezing when I realized it. Things you don't listen to as a child. Um, so I, I think we've geeked out on on music enough. Um, so something I did want to make sure that we talked about, um, we're already at like the 40 minute mark. Go us. I told myself I was going to make this under an hour. I can do it. I sent you the Snapchat of all of my notes for this movie and I'm like, I was... God help me keep this under an hour. I was like, what happened to spontaneity? I just, I like, I started watching the movie and my brain had a lot to say. Mm -hmm. And here we are. So, um, as far as the writing goes, I did want to touch on something that I found interesting. I did a little bit of research because I'm going, okay, like, what is the original storyline? Because obviously Disney likes to play shuffle with its legends and stuff that it, it takes from Mm -hmm. its inspiration for film. Um, so... Just briefly, um, according to an article in Time Magazine, um, the legend of Mulan goes back to the 12th century, um, or at least that's our earliest record of it. It is from a short poem called The Ballad of Mulan that actually references the Northern Wei dynasty, which was from the 4th to 6th centuries. So, like, this storyline goes back to, like, like 580. Um... It does start with her father being called to battle and her volunteering to go in his stead. Um, In the poem, she was at war for 12 years. um, And once she returned, she actually does tell her comrades that she's a woman. Um, The Northern Wei dynasty descended from early, like, Mongol-esque people who actually respected women much more in their society than what wound up becoming of later Chinese society. Um, Mm. A lot of later versions uh, place Mulan much more in, in later versions of Chinese culture, um, kind of like what we saw where women were very much expected to be the perfect porcelain doll. There was a lot of um, like breeding oppression of women that that was their, their role in society um, very Handmaid's Tale. Um, hmm. but the original poem, 
um, references a people group that was actually a lot more like Viking-ish and respected a women a lot more significantly um, to the point where when she does reveal that she's a woman, like they don't shun her. They're like, oh, well, that's cool. Like literally the poem ends with, like it's like a reference. I, I would have to look up the exact lyrics, but it's like um, a, um, like a, it says like a male rabbit may run this way and a female rabbit may run this way but like put them side by side and who can tell which is which interesting yeah and like it took me a second to like understand like why are bunnies being mentioned but basically it's saying like you know guys may do it this way girls may do it this way but put us in war and we're all fighting the same enemy right and I'm like, dude, I appreciate that so much more. I like, I love that. And I love that it came from a different people group that also respected females in their culture. Um, so late, all the later iterations of Mulan get a lot of the cultural cues wrong, including ours. Um, the I had like a whole list of like things the movie got right and things the movie got wrong because I wanted to know. Um, and ours puts her like... Mm, Ours puts Mulan much later in Chinese history um, where I put, I wrote a note about where it puts her. Um, okay, I can't find it at the moment. But like at the time that the poem references like the 4th to 6th centuries and the Northern Wei Dynasty, like the Great Wall uh, was like just starting construction. So it would not have been built yet. Um, the Imperial City, as it's depicted in the movie, hadn't hadn't been built yet either. That wasn't built until, like, the 12th century, I don't think. Or, no, it wasn't built until, like, the 1400s? It's, like, the... Oh, my gosh, centuries are hard. The 15th century? Um, <laughs> centuries are hard. 1400s. Centuries are hard, because they're off. Yeah. Right, because they're off. So, like, we're in the 21st century right now, but we're in the 20s. Yes. So, yeah. Um... Well, that's like the same okay. way that they count minutes in soccer. Like the first minute is zero to fifty nine. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Right. I was actually just or reading like, an article. Today you're living your thirty about... first year right now. Technically, but I'm no. Yes. Yes. Because I started at zero. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, interestingly enough, um, fun fact for all of you, I was just reading an article this morning that um, South Korea recently changed its aging um, laws. They still went by, I think, the same ones that China does, that you're actually born at one year old. Um, and then everybody ages collectively at their new year. So, but it was difficult because then somebody like my mom who was born on December 31st would be born at one and then like at the new year um which I think they actually go by the lunar new year so like a couple months later um but still then at the new year you like immediately turn two and they just now repealed that law and everyone gets to go like recertify their age and they all get everyone everyone in South Korea just got younger <laughs> huh cool yeah so talking about aging and dating and things uh i found that interesting but also why centuries are confusing because we started at one not zero um so yeah <laughs> fun fact of the day <laughs> i told you i went down a rabbit hole with as this you movie do of well, like you go down a rabbit hole I with do. every film with everything, like if you guys knew, like this really should be me part of our Patreon. Me with Spider Verse <gasps> is you with like everything else. 
Everything else, I, this should really be, I just had an idea for, like, a potential future Patreon membership is to put all of my notes available exclusively to our subscribers. Hmm, okay. So they can see all of the topics that I never got to mention <laughs> in the episode because I have to keep it under an hour. <laughs> we can't have every episode be a three-parter like Batman. Woof. Can't do it. We can't do it anymore. Nobody listens. I mean, everyone listened to Batman, but then after that, uh, people quit listening to part two. I know who you are. Actually, I don't know who you are, but if you are the person who didn't listen to part two, it's okay. We see you, and now we do one one episode. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, one thing I did want to talk to you about, um, because you kind of brought it up in talking about the original song of um honor to us all Mm -hmm. um this movie so according to imdb this movie's origins were uh a little well obviously with disney the movie started out much different than the final version that we got um originally this movie as they always do um originally this movie was going to be just a disney short um, and it was going to be called Porcelain Doll. Hmm. Obviously, we, we hear that that phrase in honor to us all. That's what made me think about it. Um, and it was about a miserable and oppressed Chinese girl who falls in love with a British prince and gets whisked away from her life of misery um, to go fall in love and live with him. Boo. Um, I know. Like, we have that a million times. Pocahontas, anyone? So overdone, not to mention culturally rude. Thank you. Um. I mean, to be fair, women were incredibly oppressed at that time in China, but still. Um, That was not at all what they wound up doing. I guess they talked with a children's book author, whose name I can't remember at this moment, um, that he suggested actually expanding the story into the full legend of Mulan. And then it became the feature-length plot that we have now. Um, But the original talking about how she you know she's individualistic and she's smart and just not like all the other girls who were just going to play the part and be a good housewife um the original plot had Mulan actually just being upset with her oppressive culture and joining the army to get away from it <laughs> imagine um, that you know what war I choose that well so here's the thing they wound up following the plot of the original Mulan who who volunteered in her father's stead um, but using the cultural dissatisfaction as, like, a sub-motivation. Because mm-hmm. she even mentions it. Like, after she's outed and she's, like, um, on the mountain or whatever, she's, like, I think I just joined so that, like, I would see I would see something worthwhile. I think right. I, I did it for me. Um, and I guess they, they kind of decided that in the end, going with that initial motivation of just not liking her life and culture made her less relatable um, and made her less likable, mm-hmm. which I t- I can totally get. Like, it makes her, like, uh, I'm going to put this out there. I know you've never seen it, but I can't stand the character of Korra in Legend of Korra um, because she's like that. She's very, like, overpowered, like, strong female heroine, but, like, to the point where she's, like, inhuman and unrelatable. Okay. Um, And... And in this, having Mulan ha- still join to save her father, um, that humanizes her a little bit. It doesn't make her so much of, like, an invincible, you know, goddess. Now she's a regular person with complex motivations for things. Um, 
like another great example of like a strong female heroine who also has some humanization to her is Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. You know, she volunteers to save her sister, her existence. She's not just like naturally good at like hunting and stuff. She is because she had to be Mm -hmm. over the years to feed her family after the death of her father. Mm -hmm. You know, she has these, these humanizing aspects to her that make how awesome she is more like not reasonable well like reasonable like reasonable believable palatable whatever able term you want to throw in there (laughs) um and so I like that they they went ahead and went with her joining to save her dad but also still having her individuality and like being sick of like what was expected of her it made her complex it made her a complex character rather than a one-dimensional character and I think that's what I'm trying to say is I cannot stand characters who are one-dimensional So, yeah. I will say, had it not been for the seeing of Bring Honor to Us All, I would have been very, it would have been very hard to convince me of her motivations because she goes Mm -hmm. from having this, you know, bad day where she brought dishonor, if you will, at the matchmaking, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then... Dishonor. Dishonor on your whole family. Continue. Right. (laughs) So... She comes home and her dad tries to cheer her up and then immediately there's the they're coming into town handing out the the war scrolls like you're coming you're coming you're coming mm-hmm. everyone's coming mm-hmm. and then she has the moment with her dad at home and she's like you can't go basically you're too old you've done this already and then she just decides I'm gonna go I still right. think it's a little rushed but despite I mean yeah you have an hour and a half it's a kids movie right and I quick. <laughs> I even paused at that. In the movie, I was like, okay, if this were a two-hour film, it'd be the 40-minute mark. But this is a 90-minute film, so it's happening about the 15, 20-minute mark. And I was like, okay, it passes. Mm-hmm. It does. I will the, say... The, the timing tracks. Writing has gotten better over time with with children films in general. We've become more savvy. Right. Kids, yes, people yes, in have. general, we've become more savvy. We understand things more now than we did as a kid. Nothing is hidden as much as it used to be. So I appreciate how mm-hmm. writing has come this far since then. But I, I give it a pass because they showed a lot of her individuality within that first song. So mm-hmm. that was honestly my right. only small little grief with the film in this writing was how rushed I felt the first 15 minutes was or 20 minutes. Sure. But then you it got it. You got You got to start getting into the meat of the film around the 20 minute mark of a kid's film. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, kids are going to be bored. Mm-hmm. And parents will get I mean, bored. Let's face it. This, this is a kid's movie and right. you need to be able to plop your kid down in front of the TV and have them glued to it so that you can cook dinner. No kidding. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that both motivations are required. Like I said, she needs to be a complex character. Mm -hmm. And so I like that they included both so that her decision to go in her father's stead did not feel completely out of the blue. I will say there is one part in that animation that really gets me and it's, it's good symbolism again. And it's when she's watching the silhouettes of her parents having essentially the same conversation that she had except her mom waited until they were behind closed doors to have the conversation and you can't hear anything all you can do is oh you can see it and that's oh it's so moving just to be able to see every time and and know what's being said but then the part that got show don't tell and Mm -hmm. the symbolism of it and ultimately is the reason that mulan did decide to go because the after this happens she leaves is uh, her mom, like he, her dad takes her mom's hand and, and then she pulls away 
because she doesn't like what he said and he picks up the candle that's been lighting the room and he blows it out. I'm so glad you caught it too. Okay, continue, Uh, continue. It's so good. And that's the moment that Mulan decides I'm going to go in his place because the symbolism of that is her truly realizing if he goes, he will die. Yeah. The fire is going out. He's literally blowing out Mm -hmm. the light. The snuffing out of that candle would be the snuffing out of her father's life. And she can't let that happen. If you go even a little further. go in his stead. If you go a little further, they realize it at the dawn of day. A new beginning. Mm, That's when they notice that she's gone. The sun. I mean, it's raining, but the sun has obviously started to rise. That's true. Yeah. There is the haze of like morning twilight or whatever. Um. Yeah, she does She does wake up and they go outside and it is starting to get light outside. Ooh, I like that. The sun is setting on her father as a soldier and the dawn is rising on Mulan. Yes. We, just let us write the script. Cue music. <laughs> just let us write. I mean, we'll write the job, trailer like, taglines. We too. Oh, we'll, we'll write the trailer taglines. Oh. So... Yeah, I think I think we can go ahead and wrap. I think we've talked about this sufficiently, but mm-hmm. um, I love this movie. I think for 1998, they did a great job being culturally aware um, and trying to... Here's the thing, and I'll wrap with this. As a kid, because again, this is a kid's movie. Reminder, this is a kid's movie. Um, this movie made me aware, was the first thing that at like six years old made me aware of a culture that wasn't my own. Mm-hmm. And it was the first thing that made me appreciate a culture that wasn't my own. Mm -hmm. And, and I was, I was really blessed to grow up in a household where like my, my parents did not, the concept of race was not taught in my household. And so for me to watch then Mulan, a movie about a girl who was not my race, all I saw was a role model. All I saw was someone awesome to look up to and gave me appreciation for, like I said, a culture that was not my own. Mm-hmm. And and if that's the goal with a kid's movie, home run. You know? Like, that's that I think is the point is, is teaching kids things about things they don't know. Right. You know? And giving them good role models to look up to, regardless of where they sit in society. Because I felt invincible after watching this movie. I was like, that's right, I'm a female warrior. I mean, who didn't feel, what girl didn't feel that way after they saw this movie? I know I did. I was like, look at this. Look at this woman. Right? She literally ran against, she, she literally took that dang rocket, shot into the mountain, and buried the army. Mm -hmm. I'm like, brains. (sighs) Brains. Braun, bravery, everything. Love her. Oh my goodness. It's it's so good. And it's still good. I'm like watching this movie and I'm like, this is still a great movie. This is amazing. I love this movie. And again, uh, core childhood memory for me was going to Disney World and seeing, obviously, you know, they have characters dressed up in the parks. Mm-hmm. Seeing a character they had dressed up at the park, which also, kudos to Disney, the Mulan, the park Mulan that they had was not dressed in her cute little like ceremonial garb her princess her dress guard? or whatever with her Quote, band. Unquote, she's not a Disney she princess. was no she's not a Disney princess. Um no the Mulan they had at Disney Park was dressed in her war attire. Yeah. 
It was amazing. I think they had her hair down though in it. So she was dressed in like full battle getup, but her hair was down. And I, you know, like you're a kid and you want to go meet all the Disney characters and stuff. So I run up and I go meet Mulan and Mulan at the Disney park looked at me and said, wow, we have the same haircut. Poor childhood memory. <laughs> so cute. Cor- I lived on that for years. I did not change my hairstyle for forever. That's adorable. <laughs> right? I want to like, see a picture of you it. at that time. Send me. Send me a picture. Oh, I think I have. I'm sure I have one next to Mulan. My mom scrapbooked it from that Disney trip. Tell like, mom I to send, send me the picture. I'm gonna, I'll try to post it on our Instagram. Yes. I'll see if I can find it. Like... But that's what I'm talking about. Like, this movie gave young girls a role model to look up to. Somebody who was awesome and complex and intelligent and loved her family. Also, one of the few Disney movies whose main character had both both parents present and alive for the entirety of it. Not only that, she wasn't saved by anybody. She wasn't saved by anybody. She saved everyone. She saved everyone else. <laughs> Love that. I mean, I got goosebumps oh, again. Mulan is great. <laughs> you have saved us all, right? Just like, oh, it's a great movie. Everybody go watch Mulan. Everybody have your kids watch Mulan. The 98 version. I don't, I don't care about the recent one. The 98 version. Everybody needs Eddie Murphy in their lives. <laughs> we stand Eddie Murphy. Call out for egg rolls. Ooh, I want Chinese food now. <gasps> I have Chinese food. I'm going to eat Chinese food for dinner tonight. Bing, that sounds That's good. <laughs> <laughs> American Chinese food. I'm going to eat American Chinese food. It's from a place called Miso Yum. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it's called Miso Yum. I know. It's so bad. It's so corny. Oh, it's so corny. It's so... But it, here's the thing. The food was really good, though. It's like... It was like rice and udon noodles and a bunch of, like, chicken and lettuce and mm. sauce all mushed together in one big takeout stir-fry container. It was so good. Does it stand and up to Asia Wok? No, nothing stands up to Asia Walk. Asia Walk in Brownsburg. Everybody go have it. <laughs> Random point. City There's in also Indiana. one in Plainfield. Random City in Indiana. Go have it, Asia Walk. It's so good. Um, <laughs> As you watch Mulan. Okay. As you watch Mulan. Yeah, everybody go get Chinese food tonight and watch Mulan. You know, for Fourth of July weekend. <laughs> what screams America more than watching Mulan eating Chinese food? More than an Americanized version of a Chinese legend. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go ahead and wrap. I think that's a great, great stopping point. Wrap it up. Put it in a bow. Time to wrap it up. Um, so that concludes our episode on Mulan. Um, we talked a little bit about the history of the Ballad of Mulan, um, and a little bit about how to watch this movie via, uh, through various critical lenses, but really just how this movie was ahead of its time and a, a great movie, and it still holds up today. Sure does. Um, we are still technically on hiatus, so there's no official episode scheduled yet, but I promise <laughs> we will be back soon. I want to pause, though. Tell everyone why you wanted to do Mulan. Why did I want to do Mulan? You don't remember? What did I say? You got a notification on your phone, that which I also got the same notification on our... We both got the same notification on our phone that it was the 25th anniversary of Mulan. I got a notification from Disney Plus that it was the 25th anniversary of Mulan, and I was like, oh, we... But, like, we gotta. I'm literally, like, on the road. I'm, like, in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and I text Cherie, and I'm like, so how about an episode? (laughs) I was like, I thought we were on hiatus. We are on hiatus. (laughs) So, surprise. Oh, Surprise! You have an episode. You're welcome. I'm literally in old military housing with my microphone put up on a box right now to bring you this gem of an episode. Can I You're announce welcome. 
what I want our next episode to be because I already decided. Please, please surprise me. I want to announce it because it's such a good film and it won an Oscar a few years ago. Parasite. Oh, Parasite. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to watch it because I've never seen it. It is so good. I wrote a whole paper on it. I I write a whole paper on every episode. So. Uh, You're right. I wrote a college I'm gonna have to, paper I'm gonna have to turn it down. on Parasite. And I, we're wrapping. Uh, I keep forgetting we're wrapping. We're wrapping. We're wrapping. We're wrapping. That's a wrap. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse. Roll credits. Thank you.